Hi, this is Dr. Sean Handorp, clinical psychologist and health behavior expert, and this is the Motivation Made Easy podcast. Each week, I'll be bringing you science-backed information, strategies, and inspiration to master your relationship with food so that you can feel in control of your habits, respect your body, and free your mind to focus on the things in life that truly matter. I'm a clinical psychologist, and I've had years of experience doing research and patient care in the field of weight management and eating disorders. So I've had the insider view on understanding what works and what we're getting very, very wrong. In this podcast, you'll find practical information and tips based on motivation science, interviews from experts, and stories from real people and how they've navigated their relationship with food. My goal is to empower you with information, inspire you to make changes that fit you, and feel 100% supported along the way. So settle in and make yourself comfortable, and get excited to learn and take action for a better, healthier, more energized life. Hey guys, Dr. Hondorp here, and this is the third replay episode going back to our foundational episodes from the beginning of the podcast. So this one is all about how to gain the right type of motivation. And if you recall, we often talk about the three key psychological needs that are sort of the the foundational that we want to build the base, build the foundation so that the right types of motivations kind of shift from external to internal. So in this podcast, we dive into the types of motivation and why that matters so, so much. And again, this is something that um, even if you listen before, I do think there'll be value in listening again, because this is a model of motivation that applies to all behaviors. So even in the future, once you're like, I have a peaceful, flexible, sustainable relationship with food, you can come back to this model to understand other behaviors. So They literally have studied this in like every field and realm. And I find it just incredibly fascinating that more people don't know about it because this theory maps on to like most, well, pretty much all behaviors. I have not found one that it doesn't fit yet. So I think about this all the time as it relates to any behavior I want to change. I think about what type of motivation is this? Not necessarily the specific name of the motivation, but I I think about, is this external? Is this pressure? Is this shame-based? Is this, um, am I stifling myself? Am I getting caught in an ineffective cycle because I'm trying to push too hard? And many times lately that is true, not really relationship with food-wise, but definitely for um, other changes I'm trying to make in my life. I push too hard and I need to learn to, slow down, give myself grace and space and compassion and all the things that we know are helpful, but are hard to do. So this is going to give you an overview. I think it'll be really useful to dive back in. And I can't wait to hear sort of what, what your takeaways are and how you're thinking about this differently. Perhaps if you're a new listener or you've been listening for a while, like how is this, I truly believe this theory makes a lot of sense. And, uh, yeah, even as we think about broader issues like education systems and how do we foster sort of a thriving learning growth mindset, how do we move away from fixed all or nothing thinking, it's just not helpful in any way, shape or form in any area. So 
Super excited to have you dive back in to this foundational episode all about how to gain the right type of motivation. And of course, as a reminder, this blog and podcast is only for informational and educational purposes and is not to be construed as any form of professional advice. Let's dive in. Hello, hello, Dr. Sean Hondor here, back again to talk to you more about the science of motivation and build on some of these really important topics we've been talking about. So today we'll be talking about the different types of motivation, why many of us use external motivation to try to motivate ourselves to do the things we think we should do, and why that's really a recipe for failure, why it's a recipe for short-term change, but then when life throws us all the stressors that are inevitable in life, a lot of us had a lot of those last year in 2020, it's going to be hard to keep it up because if we don't develop that internal, what we call autonomous motivation, it's going to be hard to keep it up over the long term. It's not very sustainable. And so we're going to be talking about the different types of motivation today and how this all makes sense and maps onto your life. All right. So clearly I love talking about motivation, right? That's not a surprise to you, I'm sure. And the interesting thing about motivation is people think of it as something you have or you don't have. I need more motivation. I am not a very motivated person. And they use it in this very one size fits all type of way when that's not accurate for how motivation really works. The way motivation works is that we have different types of motivation for different behaviors, right? So when we say I'm not motivated today, Maybe we're saying I'm not motivated to go and take a walk because you're tired after your long day, but really you are motivated. You're motivated to rest, right? Maybe you're motivated and called to the Netflix binge. I don't know about you, but I've just finished The Queen's Gambit and uh, that was quite good on Netflix. So you are motivated for certain behaviors, right? There's that internal motivation to rest and watch Netflix at that time because of the fact that you've had a long day. And so what we want to do is understand the types of motivation as opposed to just saying broad statement, I'm motivated or not motivated. That's just not, that's not accurate and it's not really how human behavior works. So in the previous episode, if you haven't checked that out, I talked about the three key psychological needs that sort of lay the groundwork for long-term change. And so these are things that, to review, autonomy, freedom from excessive pressure, feeling like one has choice, that's a key one. The other one is, the second one is competence, so feeling like one can do what you set out to do, sort of a feeling of self-efficacy, kind of I got this. And the last one, relatedness, feeling like one belongs and is connected with others in the community. And I think of those as sort of making sure we're laying down fertile ground or fertile soil to plant these plants or seeds of motivation or plant these behaviors of internal autonomous motivation for change. So, of course, we're never going to have perfect all three of those needs met, right, for any behavior we want. But we want to keep those in mind and because our environment makes a big difference. That said, we also want to understand the different types of motivation, the different types 
We'll go over those today. You'll learn what they are. We'll go over some examples, particularly focused on exercise with a little bit of focus on eating and how this maps on. And then of course at the end, stay tuned because you will get some tips about how to optimize your internal autonomous motivation. Basically, you'll see in the show notes if you check those out, I'll have the picture that I use a lot of times that shows an arrow. And on the left side of the arrow is your more externally focused motivation. And then on the right side of the arrow, you can picture as we go through these types, we're getting increasingly farther to the right. The farthest right is intrinsic motivation. That's the most internal type of motivation. That's when we do a behavior because we like something about the actual behavior itself. So the actual behavior gives us what's called inherent satisfaction. Basically, it just means it's fun, interesting, enjoyable. And so this an example of this would be, I look forward to going on a walk in the morning. If I don't get it in, I feel stressed, I feel off. And I usually go after work, this inherent intrinsic drive to do the thing. Um, the, the Netflix example is if we apply it to watching Netflix, like that inherent drive to rest or watch a really interesting show on Netflix that's intrinsically motivating. The behavior itself is reinforcing, the behavior itself is rewarding. Okay, so again, we're going to go through these types real quick. There's technically five types. I'll go through them kind of quick, the exact names and differences aren't quite as important as the general shift from external to internal. But if there's any of you that just are like, I really want to understand this fully, then I'm going to go through all of them. So first we have external motivation, and that's the most on the left side and the most external or the most associated with more short-term change. They also call this controlled motivation, so feeling like I should do something. Um, this is to when you do a behavior to comply or to get an external reward or a punishment. And for many, many, many people, weight loss or making changes to your eating or exercising falls into this category, right? Can you relate to that? I think all of us can relate to it for different aspects of shoulds, right? And I've talked before about I've gotten to the point where I don't pressure myself for many forms of exercise, so I'm pretty internally motivated, and that's shifted over my life. But there's certainly always going to be exercises that I feel like I should do. My physical therapist talks to me about how I really should do some different pelvic floor type exercises before I go back to, say, running. So I don't enjoy those. I don't find them particularly fun. In fact, I think they're kind of boring, but I should do them. And of course, We'll talk about some of the internal forms. They're also integrated with the person I want to be, someone who has a strong core so that I can pick up my kids without back pain. So there's a should aspect, an external aspect, but I also, because I'm so familiar with the, the science of motivation, I try to really connect myself with some of the more internal motivators too. So it's not always that one behavior fits into external only or only one of these buckets, but Sometimes they do only fit into one bucket, and we want to, as much as we can, shift and reflect on the internal factors because that's what's going to keep us the behaviors up over the long term. That said, those exercises for me are, are still pretty external because I'm not really doing them consistently. So that's another guide is if it's pretty external, 
then you're going to see yourself kind of do fits and starts with the actual behavior. I would suggest that it's still kind of a should for you. Okay, so that's the first one, external motivation. And again, you can go to the show notes, Dr. Sean Hondorp forward slash three, or you can check it out in the show notes here if you want to actually see what I'm talking about visually here, because I think that can be helpful. The next form of motivation is called introjected. This is also very external, but it's technically something that you impose on yourself. So you do the behavior because you got to keep yourself in check. It's for self-control. The word willpower comes up a lot in this category, right? Um, it's also something you get an internal reward or punishment for doing something, right? So basically, I do. you're going to force yourself to do the exercise because you really feel like you, you should and you've, or you're sort of trying to burn calories or get rid of calories that... Uh, or even I force myself to pay and sign up for fitness classes in advance because I don't think I will do it otherwise. So you can see that it's not so much that these are always bad per se, but it's kind of how you feel about it too. So if you're feeling like a lot of stress and a lot of feeling like I don't trust myself, I got to force myself to do this stuff, it's going to be more on the external side versus the internal, which is more, yeah, like that same example of, I paid for my fitness classes in advance so that I will go. That can also be sort of from a supportive accountability standpoint where it's not so stress inducing where it actually feels like a positive support. So that would actually be if we're sort of, I'm making a, a gesture with my hand right now, you're sort of tipping that dial over to the right hand side a bit more depending on how you feel about it. And that's a lot of times when I talk about the science of behavior change, I'll tell you that the behavior on the outside, what you do or don't do, matters a whole lot less than how you feel about it and your why underneath it, right? So if it's these shame-based motivators, I really should, uh, I should, but I don't want to, get yourself in check, Sean, come on, and, and sort of the way you talk to yourself and the pressure you put on yourself when it's more shaming or self-critical, it's going to be more on the external side. Whereas if it's more supportive and, okay, you're going to feel a lot better if you do this, you got this, here's a way I'm going to set you up for success. Do you see how that's different? They feel and the way you're feeling about it and thinking about it and talking to yourself about it makes a whole lot more of an impact on whether it's internal versus external. So that's why I often say it's not so much what you do or don't eat, or how you move or don't move, it's how you feel about it. So those two types, external and interjected, are definitely more on the external side of the equation, more associated with short-term change, or they'll also refer to it as controlled motivation versus autonomous motivation. The next three types we're going to talk about now are more associated with that autonomous motivation and that longer-term sustainable change of what we want, right? So the next two are pretty similar. They are technically separate, but I'll talk about them together. So identified or integrated are the types of motivation that identified as personal importance, conscious valuing. Like I want to set a good example for my kids. Um, maybe you don't really like the behavior you're trying to do, but you want to set a good example, right? And this was definitely the case for me when I first started cooking when after we had our daughter I was like 
okay, I really need to start cooking now. I've said this for years, but before she gets old enough to really know what's happening, I want her to see me cooking. I don't want to be, you know, heating up frozen pizzas all the time. And not that that's bad. I just, I wanted her to see me cooking because I would like her to, you know, have that modeling done. So integrated is similar. They, they talk about it as like congruence with self. It might be, I do this behavior because I want to take good care of myself. It's consistent with the person I want to be. The, I talk about these ones together because they, they have a lot of overlap, right? So those ones are really about identified and integrative is all about making sure your behavior is consistent with your values. And there's a lot of different um, ways that in psychotherapy, we talk about this that are in psychology, acceptance and commitment therapy is a big, um, a, a very evidence-based approach where often we're talking about making your behaviors and line up with your specific values. And so I'll often talk about this throughout this podcast, right? Because as much as we would love to be intrinsically motivated for everything we do, that's not real life. And we're going to have to do things that we don't want to do because it's consistent with the person we want to be. And certainly um, healthy living is going to at times fall into that. You know, I always say like, if you inherently love cooking, that's amazing. Uh, but a lot of people don't, or they don't always want to do it, or they don't always feel like going to the grocery store or doing the meal planning or whatever it is. So that's where you say, okay, this is something I value. And here's how I'm going to set myself up to do it. So the final form of motivation that I've already touched on is intrinsic. So this is, you do something because you enjoy it basically, or you, something about it you enjoy. So you either enjoy it or you find it challenging, interesting, fun, or sometimes you don't even enjoy the actual thing itself. But if you find it to be a challenge or exercise is a pretty good example of this, right? Like you, you see yourself improving or you like to push yourself or you're learning a new skill and you're enjoying the process of learning as I'm learning how to be a podcaster and learning how to edit and things like that. I probably should try to think of it more as a, a learning process and, and fun and enjoyable, but I'm struggling with that a little bit. So sometimes I'm just doing it because I value it, right? Because it's a way to get things out. But most of the time I like it and I'm learning and having fun doing so. So the intrinsic examples for exercise are you, you know, obviously you've heard that before. That's nothing new. Do exercise you enjoy. Makes sense. But it's also, I think when it comes to eating well or eating in the way that is consistent with your values or your, the, your health values, then that can also be I'm challenging myself to learn a new recipe or learn a new method of cooking this thing or, or learning a new style of cooking or trying a new style of eating. And just the challenge that that offers, right? So you can try to enjoy it and um, other tips for enjoying or increasing intrinsic value. Sometimes it can be just associating that thing with something you like. So the example of I, for years, didn't really cook and, and didn't feel very, going back to competence, didn't really feel very good at it. 
and I still don't feel great at it, but I'm definitely getting better because I've more consistently done it over the years. And in the beginning, especially one of the things I did to make it more enjoyable, and I sometimes still do, is I listen to a podcast or I sometimes even will kind of watch a show that doesn't require a lot of visual attention. So I'll just have a show on in my headphones or I'll have it on the iPad or something while I'm chopping up stuff just to make it kind of more fun. So those are the types of motivation. The more external side, external motivation. I do it because I should. I do it because this is an also, we're going to talk a lot in this podcast about the pressure of society and what society tells us we need to look like, how our bodies need to look. So we're going to have a lot of discussion about that and how this plays into this. But that external motivation, I mean, most of us have some pretty strong external motivations coming from what society thinks we need to look like, what society thinks health looks like and what our bodies need to look like and what's good or what isn't good. And that, um, you know, can come from weight and a pressure to lose weight, but can also come from a whole other area of our looks, right? Our, our, our society tells us it's not just about looking a certain way. We need to dress a certain way and we need to not have any wrinkles and, and have a certain body ability. And so all these, these messages we get from society really fuel this, this should-based motivation. And if you go back to that overall psychological need that's essential for long-term change, autonomy, think about all the ways that this external pressure from society takes away our autonomy. And, and you even see this, and I've talked about, and I'll continue to talk about the health at every size research and how weight matters way, way, way less than we ever thought it did or the, the message that you have to lose weight to be healthy is just not accurate. But people get this message of like the, the health and wellness. And I, I'm certainly part of that. Or historically, I've been part of it and I'm trying not to be part of it moving forward as this health and wellness movement of like, you should act a certain way, look a certain way, eat a certain way, move and exercise a certain way. And, and we've done this for years, right? Like you you should do strength training three times a week and, you know, cardiovascular five times a week for 30 minutes. Like all of these rules and pressures takes away people's autonomy to figure out how all this maps onto their life. So my goal with this podcast is to give you the information, help you understand your own motivation and give you accurate information about how it impacts, how our habits impact our health. And then you do what feels right to you. So that's my goal here. So, okay, external, interjected is that still external motivation, but sort of self-imposed, self-control, keep myself in check. And then we have the three types that are more intrinsic and internal. Those are going to be more on the right side of the arrow here. And that's identified, integrated. Those are the basically consistent with the values and the person you want to be, that behavior is. And then we have intrinsic, which is you do it because you like it. Okay, so as we think about these types of motivation, it might not be that surprising to you now of why I talk to people about why you should never exercise to lose weight. And also, obviously, we've been talking in this whole podcast so far about weight loss and dieting and how that undermines all of the things we need for long-term change. But obviously, when it comes to exercise, there's really good data that movement and exercise is really good for us. I am sure that is not a surprise to you. And I don't need to go over the research on that because that probably isn't necessary. 
I think you're probably pretty convinced that exercise is good for you. It has so many intrinsic benefits that have zero to do with weight loss, right? And and just the fact is that exercise for many people doesn't really impact weight loss very much anyways. So there's a million reasons to de-associate exercise with your weight. And a, a new friend of mine, I was just interviewed on her podcast recently, Jen Radke, she was talking about this question of just what would you do if you knew the number on the scale wasn't going to change if there was you know you wouldn't lose a pound and i think that's such a great question here of what would you do and if your answer is sean i wouldn't do anything and that stresses you out i think first of all that's okay if that's the answer but i think also a lot of that comes from when we've had these external shame-based motivations for so long it can take a while to really tune in and determine what our internal motivators really are. So try to be patient with yourself. I know that's easier said than done, but this is something that, I mean, you don't have to be told that exercise has a bunch of benefits. And I hear from people all the time, I exercise and I feel so good after. I don't know why I don't do it. I'm so frustrated with myself. Why don't I just get out the door? They know, or you know that you're going to feel better after. And I mean, I still do this, right? Like you no, I've been really into podcast planning mode lately and I haven't exercised as much as I would like to. And this is, you know, life gets in the way too. Sometimes I try not to beat myself up about it, but I would probably be more focused and more productive if I just got in something quick, right? Exercise improves concentration, increases our energy, helps us better manage stress, boosts our mood and all those things. So I'll, I'll go over some different reasons that people often exercise regularly and some of these internal types of motivation. And this isn't to say you should think like this, but these are just examples for your brain to perhaps latch onto and see what might be true for you in terms of your own specific internal motivations for exercise. So some people really make exercise a social occasion. This was how I went from externally motivated exercise to internal. So I joined a running club in Philadelphia and shout out to all my running friends. I'm still friends with many of them. It's It was just the most amazing thing I've ever done. And I have lifelong friends because of it, but it also consistently got me out the door. And so it doesn't have to be running obviously, but it can be walks with a friend, doing exercise classes. And obviously right now with everything going on in our world, we do have to be more creative with this, but there are way more online live classes and opportunities. We might have to be more creative with how to connect with people virtually this way to make exercise more social or movement more social. So I have um, people that I've heard of. Well, first of all, my friends and I have a little group where we text each other pictures after we work out. We've done this for years. It kind of provides that support and accountability. But I've also had people that walk with friends and they talk on the phone while they walk and I've done that a couple times. So there's ways that we can get around that we can't see people as much as we'd like to. Another motivation for exercise that's much more internal is to improve mobility and reduce pain. So this is something that as I've gotten older, I exercise a lot more to kind of loosen up my joints and reduce or prevent pain or 
really a lot of it is to feel not so stiff when I hang out with my kids and want to play with them. And so I do my best to try to find things I enjoy, but sometimes stretching or strengthening just isn't my favorite, but I do remind myself that that's going to help with that mobility factor over the long term, and that can get me going sometimes. So next, managing stress or boosting your mood is also a great internal motivator for exercise. And again, think about some of the people that you know that exercise consistently. I bet many of them use this motivation that probably is one of the things that I hear the most. Exercise is my therapy, right? Um, and so as a psychologist, obviously, I think that's great. I think there's good data to support that. I also think if you need therapy, and hopefully you can find a way to get it, but um, that's just my side note plug here. But exercise as a mood booster is really a great thing. And whether it's reduce stress, be more patient with your parents, your coworkers, your kids, be more present during the day, whatever it is, that's a really great internal motivation. And then another one is to have better focus or concentration. So at times recently, this has been a big one for me. I find that when I'm even just doing a quick 20 minute exercise, I'll get these ideas for a blog post or a podcast or something I want to title an episode. And I'll sign, sometimes I'll just stop and jot it down because I will forget it, but it can improve our focus or concentration. And the final internal idea that I have after this one is kind of actually related. So more creativity and problem solving. So this one for me has kind of been both, but now that I'm working from home the majority of the days, which I'm sure many of you can relate to, sometimes even this quick 10 or 15 minute walk or workout, stretch your legs, can help your focus and concentration when you get back to work. And again, similarly, this idea of exercise or movement to fuel creativity or problem solving, exercise really helps to boost creativity, critical thinking skills. And so that's another way that you can think about it as something that can fuel your most important values and goals, as opposed to just a thing on the to-do list, right? All right. So given these types of motivation, and those are just what I just went over, the improved mobility, exercises, social occasion, managing stress, focus and concentration, and then the creativity and problem solving. Those are just some examples of internal motivators for exercise and to some extent eating well can fall into that category too. But next we're going to go over some tips, five tips specifically to increase and move towards that internal motivation for exercise. All right. So tip number one, always be on the lookout for ways to make exercise more fun, enjoyable. And I know this obviously seems obvious, but I can't tell you how many times I see people set goals for exercise based on what they think they should do versus what they actually want to do. So if you really want to run on the treadmill or do an intense cycling ride and be dripping in sweat, go for it. But it can be anything. And I think when we take away those shoulds, it gives us this freedom to really explore what that might look like for us. So if you haven't already, I, I created this fun 10 minute audio that you can listen to 
you can listen to while you do laundry or while you hang out and sip your coffee, but you can also listen to, probably ideally you listen to it on a walk and it can be a fast-paced walk, a short-paced walk. And there's some music and you'll hear my voice talking over and, and kind of shifting or at least suggesting some of these more internal motivations. And the cool thing about this audio is that well, basically it's, it's not necessarily guided imagery in that you don't have to have your eyes shut to do it, but it's going to guide you with some kind of upbeat music. It's going to harness the effect of kind of the joy and positive emotion that comes up of the music and during the walk that can actually further help us shift some of these things. So if you want to check that audio out, just go to drhondorp.com forward slash reclaim, R-E-C-L-A-I-M. And that's in the show notes as well. And you can check that out if you haven't already. Let me know what you think. All right, tip number two, look at the timing of the routine that'll work best for you. So you probably heard like you should work out in the morning because you're going to help. It's going to be more consistent. And yes, while that probably is true, like there's less things that could come up in the morning, um, you should probably just work out the times that work best for you in your life. So go ahead and take a look, be realistic. You want to be accountable, but yet flexible and sort of self-supportive when you set these goals, right? What's, what's doable for this time in your life right now? I used to work out in the morning and I don't anymore. Well, my situation changed recently, but when I was working full time and I had my son who was not sleeping very well, working out in the morning just wasn't going to make sense for me. And some people like get up really early and that works for them. That's awesome. But it just wasn't the right choice for me at that time. So having some flexibility and just planning ahead and trying out something for the week and knowing that you don't have to stick with that forever, but try to pick the time that will work best for you. All right. Tip number three, find a supportive and like-minded community. So we are so influenced by the people around us. And if you're constantly around someone who's saying disparaging things about their weight or their body size and saying that's the reason they need to exercise or they're talking about burning off calories in a self-deprecating way, it's going to probably influence you. So we want to be thinking about our social environment and how they're influencing us and I've talked before, I have a small group of friends that have support and accountability for exercise for each other. And I really think a lot of us need that, particularly when we're exercising at home um, and we don't have that accountability of going somewhere. It, you'd be surprised. I never thought I could be someone that exercised at home. I always did my running groups and that's how I sort of made it happen. But we've all made it happen pretty consistently. And I think our group support, even virtually, is a big part of that. So tip number four is be really on the lookout for using weight loss as a motivator. So I'm not going to tell you that it's not okay to want to lose weight because that would be silly for me to tell you what to want or what to not want. I understand that many of you on this listening to this podcast, although you may want to kind of give up the dieting mentality, maybe that's part of what appeals to you about the podcast that is easier said than done. We're talking about a lot of unlearning. And so if you find yourself noticing those old thoughts of, I exercise, I feel really good, but maybe you hop on the scale and you notice that mindset of like, well, what's the point? My weight hasn't changed. And those mindsets are probably going to come back for a while. And that's okay. Be, be noticing that and, and 
be noticing how that impacts your motivation for some of these behaviors you want to adopt, but don't beat yourself up about it. These, these unlearning, our society approaches these things in really unhelpful ways, and it's going to take some time. So try to notice and just say, oh, okay, I'm doing that thing I do again. I'm noticing the diet mentality again. Okay, just notice that. You don't have to change it, but notice how it might zap your internal motivation to do some of these things, and just pay attention to that. All right, and tip number five, if you have a lot of barriers to exercise right now, you're going to probably have to think a little creatively or ask for help. And so many of the people I've worked with in the past or have talked to have pain or injuries or other reasons why exercise is challenging. Maybe they can't do the thing they really like. Maybe they can't get to the pool right now because of the pandemic, right? Maybe there's just other things that they can't get done. But trying to be creative and trying to just meet yourself where you're at and do something can be really, really small. So sometimes just with the internet, there are a lot of options and always talk to a health professional, right? Before you do anything, but chair yoga or other exercises tailored to specific injuries, do a little bit of something and feel good about what you're doing. I know it's not maybe what you want to be doing, but I want you to feel like you can take control, set that goal and feel really good about it. So those are some tips to increase that internal motivation. So just to review, we talked about the external and internal motivations. External is more should-based, and we want to shift to the more internal, integrated with the person we want to be, intrinsic motivation, do it because we love it. Those are going to be more associated with that long-term change. We talked about some of the main, some of the common reasons why exercise can be an internal motivator because it's fun or social, it might improve mobility or pain, helps you manage stress, boost your mood, better focus or concentration, or more creativity and problem solving. And it doesn't have to be all of these, just find one of those that appeals to you, right? Um, and Or just really thinking about how it helps you to be the person you want to be, right? That's the biggest thing for me lately is I do like exercise, but I really like building this business, working on this podcast. I have so many things that spending time with my kids, like that kind of are taking priority. So sometimes I have to remind myself, like, no, oh, exercise is a big part of all your identity and all the things you want to do. And, and so some of that is just consistent, making reminders to yourself of why it's consistent with your values. So we talked about tips to increase exercise for internal reasons like being on the lookout to make it more fun or enjoyable, looking at your routine and timing and setting realistic goals about what'll work best, finding a supportive and like-minded community to surround yourself with to further fuel the integration of those that internal mindset. Be on the lookout for weight loss or that dieting motivation and just noticing it and noticing how it impacts things. And then if you have some barriers to the exercise you really want to do, trying to think creatively or ask for help and support. All right, guys, so that is all I have for you today. I look forward to hearing from you. If you like this episode, please let me know. I would love your feedback and I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in today. Your time is valuable and it means so much to me that you're here. Despite the title of this podcast, many of our topics are not always easy. 
Change is hard, and let's face it, life and truly looking inward at ourselves can be uncomfortable. That's why I'm grateful. Grateful for you and your willingness to listen, learn, and keep an open mind. I invite you to learn more by going to drshawnhondorp.com or finding me on Instagram at psychology.of.wellness. If you're enjoying this podcast, it would be amazing if you could give it a review so more people can find it. Thanks, and I truly hope you have an energetic and inspired day.